You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome aboard to Cruise Radio, your home port for everything cruising and more. Subscribe to our newsletter and weekly radio show at cruiseradio.net. From the Cruise One Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Book your next travel at cruiseone.com. Hi, I'm Matt Bassford. And I'm Doug Parker. Today's show is all about Haiti in the wake of the 7.0 magnitude catastrophic earthquake. We're going to talk to healthcare lobbyist Scott Laura about his recent trip to Haiti and the current situation going on there now. Author Micah Berman shares his dirty, detailed stories about working on a cruise ship, which are all in his new book, Permanent Passenger. But first, as you know, Labadee in Haiti is a cruise port stop for Royal Caribbean and celebrity cruises. Stuart the Cruise Guy joins us. He's a contributor to ABC's Good Morning America, CNN, and MSNBC. You can find him at cruiseguy.com. Stuart, how was Labadee affected by the earthquake? Good news is that, uh, according to Royal Caribbean, that uh, their private beach area, which they've recently just put in $55 million in enhancements, was untouched. So everybody wow. there is safe and sound, and they're actually sending an engineering ta- uh, team down there uh, tomorrow to uh, reassess their brand new pier that was just built. How long has there been a relationship between the cruise lines and Haiti? Well, Royal Caribbean has had their, uh, they were actually uh, the first to have the private island, or in this case it's really a private beach, dating back to 1968. Hmm. But cruise lines were actually sailing uh, to, I mean, Haiti was a regular, uh, you know, stop back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, when the government became too unstable, that's kind of when they they kind of stopped going. And it was uh, many, many, many years before Royal Caribbean even actually resumed its port calls. Stuart, tell us more about the on-and-off relationship that Royal Caribbean has had with Haiti. The relationship, Royal Caribbean uh, essentially, you know, bought the rights to uh, Labadee back in 1968. And uh, over the years, they've spent quite a sum of money. In fact, uh, recently, they just put another $55 million into enhancing the area with the um, the roller coaster that they put in. They just built a new pier and uh, an artesian village uh, to in- improve the relationship. And actually, there are excursions now that actually take you outside of the beach area and uh, into the surrounding areas. So Royal Caribbean has a, a very strong relationship with, with Haiti. Not only do the Royal Caribbean ships uh, sh- uh, visit there, as uh, Celebrity, uh, its sister company, uh, does visit there uh, as well, and uh, you know, recently uh, Bill Clinton was down there assessing the, uh, mm. the magnitude of, of the relationship. Stuart, is there a like a fence between Labadee and the rest of the island of Haiti? No, like- it's it's more of a just really a, a secluded area. It's a private beach. Uh, you know, they they have different uh, tours that uh, you can do, like on uh, on wave runners. But uh, there's and they they also bring in some different uh, some select artisans which they actually created quite a, a large village 
but uh, you there's no there's no excursions. Let's say as if you were in Nassau or in St. Martin that actually take you into the country. Because like Haiti's known as a generally a poor country, can the the folks who the citizens actually go into Labadee or no? No, it's it's a fenced off area. Gotcha. Again, you can find Stuart the Cruise Guy at cruiseguy.com. He'll join us later in the program for some really. Scott Lara is a healthcare lobbyist and cruises frequently on various cruise lines. Scott, tell us about your last cruise to Labadee. Uh, Marty and I were on the uh, Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Beautiful ship, ice skating rink. Just had a great time on the ship. And when I originally looked at Haiti, I kind of looked at Marty and said, wow, Haiti, a lot going on there, a lot of poverty and so forth. And I was concerned. But we went there. Labadee is a secluded island. And as Stuart the Cruise Guy had said earlier in the show, it is separated from you know Port-au-Prince and from Haiti itself. So you're definitely very secure. You're very safe. The water there is incredible. I mean, the bluest of the blue water went out there. Snorkeling is beautiful. The, the sand was beautiful. Had a great time. And then, of course, there were the locals there selling their local wares and uh, you know actually walking around, talking to the folks there. So it was a great cultural experience uh, to go there. Do the ships dock there, or do they anchor off the coast and ferry you in? Actually, they anchor out, and of course, depending on the weather, you get in the uh, transports over there to uh, actually go to the island, yes. I believe it's 87% of the people living in Haiti are living below the poverty line, so very poor. I'm wondering, are the tourism dollars, have they been helping in the past? You know, cruise lines are paying tens of thousands of dollars every time those uh, ships are going through the Panama Canal. Same way Cozumel, Cancun all these other cruise ports, they are getting money to uh, have the opportunity to bring tourists there. And whenever you hear about weather affecting a cruise port, Cozumel, Cancun, you hear people going nuclear because, oh my gosh, all this money we're losing, not just the revenue from the tourists coming there, but from the cruise lines paying the different places. So I'm certain that there has been money flowing into Haiti. And like exactly like you said, Haiti has been poor forever. There's been so much political turmoil there through the different dictators that have been there. But, yeah, this is definitely, as long as the cruise ships keep going there and supporting them, it's going to be good, and they're going to need the help now. I'm just really curious how Royal Caribbean is going to assist with all the relief. You would hope they would do that. Uh, I remember with Hurricane Katrina, yeah. when Carnival came in and offered several of their ships. Now, I mean, they charged FEMA to do it, but uh, the people <laughs> there from uh, New Orleans were actually living on cruise ships. And after a while, now it wasn't all singing and dancing and entertainment. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, they had a food. A place to stay. A place to stay, exactly right. right. And the fact of the matter is the people trashed those cruise ships. Uh, and it took millions of dollars to get those cruise ships really? back operational. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually looking online here. And Royal Caribbean actually employs 300 folks on Labadee and also pays the government $6 per cruise passenger. Well, I'm certain that Royal Caribbean is going to come to the plate. I mean, they have been coming there. They, they want to probably continue there and now, especially with the media pressure, I'm sure they're going to be writing a check to, to help support them. Working as a lobbyist, what's happening on the ground there now? Well, the thing is, when a natural disaster happens like that, if it's New Orleans, if there's earthquakes in California or so forth, and we heard President Obama even say, I mean, he came out within 24 hours, hey, we're going to go out there full force the U.S. government with roads, bridges, infrastructure. There wasn't there that much of that stuff there in the first place. So they need to be able to get in there, clear the rubble, get the people out as best they can. And then the government is going to be flying in planes with the food. Uh, the Red Cross is taking donations, redcross.org, and uh, just trying to get those people back as much as possible. But the big story there is, you know, how long is this going to be in the media? When are they going to drop it? 
and hopefully, you know, we'll be there for those people. With any disaster, you always want to try and try look for the uh, silver lining, and hopefully, this can be a, a fresh new start to to try and rebuild Haiti and give some attention to Haiti that that it's been lacking for so long. That's an excellent point. I really think that with the media attention there to see. You know, historically where they've been and where they can go. This may be a great opportunity for them to get back on their feet. Yeah. Guys, if you can punch up line three, we have Emily from the Red Cross in D.C. And by the way, Doug, as of yesterday, they have raised over $10 million for the relief effort. Well, that's awesome. Emily, what else can people do besides donating to help out? Uh, for instance, Matt and I were talking about going down there, grabbing a shovel and seeing if we could help out taking a week off. Can any American citizen just go down there and do that kind of thing? Well, obviously, it would be really exciting if we could do that, but the real issue is right now the situation is very complicated and difficult, so we deploy specialists immediately when these sort of disasters happen, so they're people who are really well-trained in setting up telecommunications or people who are trained to recover bodies um, from rubble, basically, or, you know, whatever the situation requires. We have people who have really specialized sets of skills that can handle those kinds of things, so we are not really asking the general public to volunteer but one thing you can do always is volunteer for your local chapter and emily what's the address to donate redcross.org or you can call our 800 number which is 1-800-RED-CROSS thanks again emily appreciate it take care now thanks so much for your interest cruise radio will return after these brief words have you been dreaming lately about a romantic tropical cruise to the Caribbean? Cruise one. Or how about a breathtaking scenic cruise to Alaska? Cruise one. Or how about the Mexican Riviera? Or Cancun? Cosmos? Or New England? Or Canada? Or Italy? Or Greece? Or the Far East? Or how about a cruise around the whole world? Cruise one. Got a dream vacation for you. Cruise one. Let us send you on your way. Cruise one. Number one in cruising nationwide. One has more than 550 cruise specialists nationwide ready to help you plan your dream cruise. And speaking with a local Cruise One expert is as easy as calling toll-free 1-800-CRUISE and the number one. That's 1-800-CRUISE-1 or find us online at cruiseone.com. Number one in cruising Why should celebrities be the only ones to have their lives chronicled? Imagine passing a legacy down to generations so that your children and their children can know about you and your life. More than just a timeline, your biography is written and professionally narrated by our professional copywriters to include your accomplishments, major life events, family history, and the impact you've had on the lives of others. A biography from Broadcast Bio is the perfect and most unique gift you can give. Visit BroadcastBio.com or call 866-874-7957. 866-874-7957. And now back to Cruise Radio with your hosts, Matt Basford and Doug Parker on Sunny 94.1 WSOS. This is your cruise news. Carnival plans on unveiling a new ship in 2011. Stuart the Cruise Guy has more. Tuesday of this week, uh, Carnival was uh, proud to announce that uh, the keel for their next ship, the uh, Carnival Magic, uh, was laid uh, this week in uh, the shipyard in Italy. And uh, essentially, that's the, the keel. It was about a, uh, about a 60-foot uh, piece of steel, and that's the beginning uh, stages of their uh, second 130,000-ton ship. And uh, magically, uh, on the same design, they were able to incorporate an additional 
48 cabins, bringing in the passenger count to 3,690 passengers. It looks like Norwegian Cruise Lines is ready to have more children. NCL, uh, which was uh, called uh, Norwegian Cruise Line, I've now called them uh, Nickelodeon Cruise Line, (laughs) Uh, as they've uh, sealed a relationship where they're going to be having the uh, Nickelodeon characters uh, on board the ship, uh, similar to what Disney does, but certainly not to that uh, extreme. It'll be interesting to see how uh, the passengers react to it in the sense that uh, it could be a good move, it could be a bad move, and in the past, uh, other cruise lines have tried uh, relationships like this, and the only one that has succeeded is Disney, and for good reason. Are you one who loves to travel alone but hates to pay the extra fees? Well, you'll enjoy hearing this. On Norwegian Magic, they, they just don't stop the surprises. They just keep coming. Uh, and also, besides the Nickelodeon uh, announcement, they, they did say that, you know, we do understand there are a lot of single passengers that would like to sail, but we don't want to pay the single supplement. So they've actually created uh, two decks, which are going to be uh, um, accessed by private key card. Now, I, I don't know if that's just to keep the other passengers out. <laughs> I haven't figured that part of it out, but there's going to be 128 staterooms uh, that are going to be specifically catered to uh, singles and therefore no single supplements and um, they're going to be about a hundred uh, square feet uh, you know they'll have a full-size bed thankfully uh, bathroom sink and shower and uh, they're also going to have access to their studio lounge where you can get a cup of coffee in the morning meet your fellow guests and uh, plan a day or just kind of hang out and relax finally the first and last annual cougar cruise on one of carnival ships took place december 3rd through the 7th 2009 and for those of you who don't have contact with the outside world a cougar is a term used to describe an older woman who likes to date much younger men since then the miami-based carnival cruise lines announced it would no longer participate in the cougar cruise Carnival's officials said it wasn't anything that the Cougars did in particular while aboard. It was just a decision they made not to book on this certain theme in the future. Industry experts speculate that it's because Carnival Cruise Lines is known for their family fun ships. The Cougars will now be preying on the Mexican Riviera this year aboard Royal Caribbean's Mariner of the Seas, May 16th through the 23rd. And that is your cruise news. For more, go to cruiseradio.net. Micah Berman knows all about working behind the scenes of a cruise ship. He lived it and wrote about it in his book, Permanent Passenger. Thanks for being with us, Micah. Excited to talk to you guys. How long did you work in the cruise line industry? I was well, actually a year. I mean, I'm a, I'm, you know, I'm a baby compared to some of the, my buddies who worked on ships. I mean, the cruise director who I worked for, John Heald, you know, he, you, you have his blog on your websites, and yeah. he's probably one of the most popular cruise directors in the world. He's been on now, you know, 15, 20 years. Uh, uh, a lot of the people I worked with were, uh, you know, on there for five years, six years. And, and I think that's one of the, you know, reasons I really wrote the book is I, I'm kind of a little bit of an outsider perspective. I came on the ship, uh, you know, not thinking that it would it would be something that I would do for a real long time, but I, I didn't know I necessarily would get off after a year, but I, I kind of, you know, got in there, kind of lived it up, kind of saw that world, and then I, I there were a lot of reasons why I wanted to get off the ship and, and move to New York City, uh, but, I, but I was an assistant cruise director for a year on the um, MSX for Carnival Cruise Lines. 
initially you were hired to do what? A little bit of everything? Yeah, I'm a so you know, Carnival calls those guys social hosts. Um, you know, the job is basically twofold. One, you're the man on the mic. I mean, one of the chapters in my book, Permanent Passenger, is called Man on the Mic because anytime they needed someone to be on a microphone to do anything from, you know, uh, the bachelor party games, the, the games right. in the pool, the bingo, that was the, I was mm. the guy who would do it when the cruise director wasn't doing the really, really big events. And then number two, I was the caretaker for all the entertainment and crew staff on the ship. So my job was to take care of all the entertainers that flew on for a day and, and then got off the ship, as well as all the musicians and dancers um, and all the people who lived on the ship. So, you know, the, the job was twofold. It was partly entertainment, but also partly behind the scenes taking care of entertainers. And with all that experience, you were then inspired to write a book, Permanent Passenger. Tell us about that. Well, you know, I was inspired to write the book because before I got on the cruise ship, I couldn't find a book that was a behind-the-scenes look at working and living on a cruise ship. I went into, you know, all the bookstores had all these books about how to take a cruise, what cruise line to go on, but I never saw a first-hand personal account of someone who'd lived and worked on a cruise ship. Then when I got off the ship, I, you know, I still kept looking in bookstores, and I still didn't see it. You know, and since my book has come out, like, a, you know, my book's been out for about a year now, people are really excited about it. There's a couple other books that have come out, but you still don't find tons and tons of books, you know, books like this and and it raises the question when people want to go and work on a cruise ship you know what are the resources that they use and and, and I remember you know when I was thinking oh my gosh I want to work on a cruise ship who, who can I talk to? Because, you know, you don't meet a lot of people walking around who've worked on cruise ships because they're all, a lot of them are basically at sea or a lot of them come off and you just don't meet them. Hmm. And so I looked for that book and, you know, when I got off, I said, my God, I just lived this incredible life for a year traveling through the Caribbean, meeting all these people, going, having all these adventures. And, and I said, you know, I've got to put this down into a book. And, hmm. and I did. And, and, and it's become very successful. We're speaking with Micah Berman, author of Permanent Passenger. Underneath the passenger deck, you describe the crew decks as a whole nother world. I'm a imagining Irish people smoking, drinking, and dancing jigs. Uh, Pretty close. Pretty close. Just like Titanic. I mean, you know, it's interesting. Um, the, the biggest cruise ship in the world has just come out. Um, Royal Caribbean's Oasis of the Seas, yes. which has um, 6,300 folks on the ship, 2,100 passengers, 20 stories high. Unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And the ship I worked on was smaller, but still very large. I mean, you know, we had over 800 crew members who lived on that ship. So you're talking about eight to nine levels below the ship. Uh, And in the book, I have this very interesting kind of analogy to kind of the United Nations. As you go lower and lower and lower, the rooms get smaller, they get more cramped. You get a lot of folks from all over the world, from third world countries, from, from Nicaragua, from India. And then as you go, you know, the higher levels, there tend to be more the British and Americans. They tend to have bigger rooms. You know, it very much kind of parallels the socioeconomics in the world when you look at things. And, uh, you know, it's just a very interesting world that most people don't get to see. And what's interesting, side note to this, is now cruise lines are actually giving tours of behind the scenes on cruise ships. You can have, they're now charging 30 to $40 for people who take cruises, and they'll take them behind the scenes, not just to see the captain's quarters, which a lot of times you will see, but to take them actually below the decks and show you this world that I write about in my book. I just recently took a seven-day cruise, Carnival Legend, West Caribbean, and they did have that behind-the-scenes thing for, oh, it was 100 bucks. Oh, 100 bucks! Oh, my it, gosh, it, they're making a lot of money. Dude. You know, the, the, the cheaper way to do it is just to hook up with a, with a crew member yeah. and, uh, you you know, go to the bars and meet people, and then they'll just take you below there, down there for free. Right. Now, when you um, say hook up with a crew member, yeah. Now, of course, I mean you got to remember that one. That's usually that's not allowed in most right. cases. Right. Um, and 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 you have to remember that one of the themes of my book is 
most crew members don't have the privileges and rights that I had. I mean, I was right under the cruise director. I lived a very blessed life. I could roam freely on the, you know, go to the bars. I could go to the dance, the discos. I could, you know, eat up there and basically not be in uniform. But most crew members, you're talking about the cabin stewards, you're talking about the waiters. Those guys work much longer hours, have much more restricted um, rules. They're not really supposed to be up there if they're not in uniform. Um, you know, we had a cabin, stu- we had a crew cabin steward. This is the guy who kind of took care of our rooms. And uh, he was actually fired when I was on the ship because he had, you know, he was just, you know, he had so many different girlfriends that he brought down to his room. I mean, he had a photo oh album of women from around the country who were passengers, and he would literally take vacations and just go and visit women in Florida, Massachusetts, Georgia, you know. And, of course, this guy ended up getting fired. But it was, it's highly unusual that someone at my level would get fired. And, and as you know from going on these ships, you know, the Italian crew, you know, in their beautiful white uniforms, I mean, they usually walk down the promenade <laughs> hand in hand with passengers. So um, it's, you know, it's kind of a, everyone kind of gives a blind eye to it. Sounds like somebody I know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm that... sure. And, and you, as you know from reading my book, the, the fifth chapter is called, you know, Is There Love on the Love Boat? And um, I told my wife before, you know, before this book came out, you know, don't, I, I, I dedicated the book to my wife and said, please don't read the fifth chapter. Um, <laughs> And that yeah. chapter is all about, you know, and I'm not really, I, I'm not really a Romeo, but I realized living on that ship, my gosh, this is just an amazing hmm. opportunity to meet women and, and you, you kind of become the star on the ship. Hey, Mika, Doug here. Uh, living in such close quarters, I'm sure tensions get really high down there. Uh, I remember one, one part of the book that sticks out the most is yep. when you talk about the cook in the kitchen yep. that uh, poured a boiling hot of water on yep. another crew member. Does that kind of stuff happen a lot? It didn't happen a lot. That actually was a huge incident because the ship stopped. I mean, you know, that's what's so weird about that chapter. You know, when I wrote about that, the sensation is you get so used to being in that in that boat, you know, that 70,000-ton ship, that when something happens in the middle of the night, like the ship stops, you you feel it. Like something, you know, I knew something was up. And, you know, that turned out to be a really a, a, an emergency where, you know, two lovers in the kitchen <laughs> got into a fight. You know, there are tensions like that. There are fights like that. I have to say most of the problems come more from the passengers than they do come from the crew. Um, and, you know, in terms of the drug use, in terms of the fights and that kind of stuff. But, you know, depending on who the captain is, sometimes these captains really, they ruled with an iron fist. And any kind of real crew problems, the crew would be pretty much off the ship. I mean, if crew misses the boat or something like that, you'd be off the ship, you know. Huh. Um, you, know you, you know, in my book, I talk about almost missing the ship in one port. But, you know, again, I, I, I kind of was treated with a certain level of immunity because I was so close to the captain and the cruise director. But, you know, there were tensions. And, you know, in the back of my book, the fascinating thing, I think, in the back of the book is the Ten Commandments. And these Ten Commandments are rules to live by when you work on a cruise ship. And one of them is always be nice to everybody. Because, you know, I was kind of a thin guy. I didn't weigh more than like 140, 150 pounds. I did gain some weight on that ship, which is another story in itself. But I was always very conscious that, you know, these crew members, I I don't know who they are. And I always felt like some point in the middle of the night, someone could just take me and throw me off the ship and and no one would ever know. And you know from reading the news the last four or five years, that's happened a lot on cruise ships where people disappeared. Um, But it was very important to me to be very diplomatic because I did not want to get into any kind of grudges or, or relationships that were not positive on the ship. We're talking to Micah Berman, author of Permanent Passenger, uh, drawing from your own experiences working on a cruise ship. And you wrote this because there was nothing else uh, out there like it. You know, my book is, is, is about a smile, and my book is really about fun. It's not... 
it, it, there is an undercurrent there where I say, you know, it isn't all a passion, it isn't all a dream, it isn't all a fantasy working on a cruise ship. But most of all, I didn't, I didn't write a book that really exposes some of the things in the cruise industry that aren't really positive. This is more my journey, and I had a really, really great great time working for Carnival. Uh, but there are some, there are some sides to, to working on a cruise ship that aren't positive. And I, I get a lot of emails and when people, when I do my book talks, people say to me, should I, you know, my son or daughter wants to work on a cruise ship, should they go? And I, I always tell them, you know, read the book because Temptations of the Sea, which is one of the chapters in there, talks about all the dangers of working on a cruise ship from drinking to gambling. It helps to have your head on straight before you get on a cruise ship and work there for a year or two. It is not an easy world to adapt and adjust to, and it's very important that you have skills and certain talents when you get on a ship. The book Permanent Passenger, the author Micah Berman. Why am I Larry King all of a sudden? <laughs> That's right. Sorry. Micah Berman, much success, and thanks for talking to us. Thank you. Recently, passenger Laura took a nine-night Caribbean cruise aboard the brand-new Carnival Dream, and Doug Parker interrogated her thoroughly about it. You're walking down the gangway, stepping into the ship. Paint that picture for us, if you would. We had the piano player playing right there in the middle of the atrium. Um, we had lots of lights and glass and um, just glitzy, uh, very classy-looking, very nice. We really, really were impressed. It's been described as a Las Vegas at sea. Would you describe it that way? I think so, though I've never been to Las Vegas, but I've I've seen a lot of... The glitz and the glamour. The glitz, yes, yeah, the glitz and the glamour. Yeah, very, very similar. Really nice. And what about your stateroom? Uh, what deck were you on? We were actually on the first deck, the Riviera deck. How was the room spacious, closet space? What was that about? The room was actually really spacious. We walked in and lots of um, closet space up to the left. And on to the right, you had the first bathroom, which consisted of a commode and two sinks with a vanity there with mirrors and all. And then as you walked a little bit further up to the right, right next door to the bathroom, there happens to be another single um, area to wash your hands and then a little tub in there. Actually, my husband, he's like six foot three, and he actually was able to sit comfortably in there and take a bath. So it was a very nice configuration of the bathroom. How about the public areas of the ship? Uh, they say the designer of the ship was claustrophobic, so he made the ship very, very open. Now, did you see that, or because how packed it was, were you all kind of crowded in and cramped in? Well, the first couple of days, I felt a little cramped in, but um, I think it was just because everyone was trying to get the feel of the ship. Um, as the days went on, we were up there on the fifth floor where the promenade, the casino, the, the bands were. That seemed to be more spacious each day, you know, as we went by. You felt the difference where people can sit and, you know, go to the um, sushi bar or go and have coffee or listen to the band and have a drink. I mean, that seemed to be more spacious. So more relaxing, more open More then. relaxing, yeah. I got you. Now, the ship went out full, I believe. Uh, it had about 3,600 folks on it. Uh, could you tell the ship was full during, like, the debarkation at the port and during the dining times at the buffet and such? Well, at first, at the buffet, the first day or two, I kind of felt that during lunchtime it felt a little crowded. It was hard to find a place to sit. But after, after a while, you know, like I said, people started getting used to their area and where things were, and it seemed a lot better. I actually felt was more relaxed and more more spacious than I had the very first day after a while. Gotcha. Now, my favorite part, how about the food? Now, you were on for nine nights. Did the menu vary every night, or was it the same food over the course of nine nights? How did that pan out? You have a few um, entrees and main meals and whatever that were pretty much the same at towards the end of the menu that you can actually get time and time again. But 
um, the main courses did change. They, they went from either Italian food to lobster to filet mignon to prime rib. A lot of wonderful, wonderful food. Crab cakes, seafood, scallops, shrimp, anything. Did you catch any of the shows? Yeah, actually we caught every single show that they had and we were really impressed. The entertainers that they brought on were excellent. We had one in particular that we've seen before on The Glory, Marcus Anthony. Okay. And he was excellent. He did a lot of Motown, got the audience participating, brought people up on stage, and and recognized people who've been married for a long time and got people excited and and, um, clapping and singing along with him. He was really, really good. Now, you've been on 11 Carnival ships before. Would you compare this to the other ships? Some of the other ships I actually enjoyed better, though the Dream is a very beautiful ship and spacious I did at some point feel that there were more people at right. times because it was hard to find places to sit and stuff like that. But I would go again. I would recommend it. But I, you know, probably it's not my favorite chip, but it's one of the favorites. Time now for Hot Deals with Stuart, the cruise guy. One of my favorite deals happens to be on one of my favorite ships, which happens to be Celebrity Cruises, Celebrity Solstice. Um, doing seven night uh, Eastern Caribbean out of Fort Lauderdale, and it goes to some ports that are not found in a lot of itineraries, like St. Kitts, uh, or they've got one that goes San Juan, St. Martin, Tortola, Virgin Gorda, and they will announce uh, a return to Labadee soon. But uh, you can get a balcony cabin for $849, and one of the things I like about the ship is 85% of the cabins on this ship have verandas, so it's just a very, very elegant ship. And another hot deal is on NCL's Norwegian Pearl for people wanting a little something different as far as an itinerary. It's going to go for, it's going to do seven night Eastern Caribbean from Miami and it's going to go to Samana in the Dominican Republic, St. John, St. Thomas, Tortola, Virgin Gorda, and then their private island, which I like to call Freestyle Island, where you're free to do whatever. Uh, they've got pricing starting as low as $4.99 per person. And if money's no object and you're looking for something to do this summer, the Yachts of Seaborn. They've got uh, four ships, including their brand new Odyssey and upcoming Sojourn. They've got seven to 14 night Mediterranean or Northern Europe cruises. You can go from Venice, Rome, Copenhagen, Istanbul, or London. So essentially they put the entire 2010 European season on sale where the prices were from $7,200. they are now starting from just $34.99. And depending on the type of cabin that you choose, or excuse me, the type of suite you choose, they're going to give you free business class or economy airfare from most select, uh, gateways around the U.S. So on Seaborn, for that kind of a price with air, that's a steal. Stuart the Cruise Guide can be found at cruiseguide.com or by calling 1-800-700-3881. Next time on Cruise Radio, we'll talk to Chris Elliott, contributor to MSNBC and founder of Elliott.org, about the five common travel mistakes. And Julie Watson from visitjacksonville.com talks to us about the advantages of sailing out of Jacksonville, Florida. If your business has anything to do with recreation, travel, food, hotels, or clothing, Great advertising opportunities are available now on Cruise Radio. Just log on to cruiseradio.net and click on the Advertise button. Stay current with everything in the cruise and travel world by signing up for our newsletter at cruiseradio.net. And while you're there, you can hear all of our shows on demand. Book your next travel at cruiseone.com. From the Cruise One Studios in Jacksonville, Florida, I'm Matt Basford. And I'm Doug Parker. And this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio.